This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not meant as a substitute for or replacement of working with a mental or medical health professional. Welcome to Taboo Talk Time with Dr. Eva, where we inspire a movement towards breaking through societal norms, increasing awareness, and unhinging the taboo. Taboo Talk Time hosts guest experts from around the world in the mental and medical health fields who are passionate about making a difference in our society. Visit tabutalktime.com to learn more about Dr. Eva's therapeutic services, online couples courses, live couples retreats, and of course, our free podcast. Here is your host, Dr. Eva Brown, licensed marriage and family therapist and intimacy specialist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Taboo Talk Time. If you're watching this on YouTube, that's great. Everybody consumes information differently, or if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play, welcome. We're really happy to have you here today. We are going to be talking to Sarah Shoemaker, and I love her name, (laughs) and she is a coach and consultant based in mindfulness for couples worldwide. And I really personally love her approach. Her approach is very mindful-based, very trauma-informed, and she just really has a a very collective and very research-based understanding of couples' work. So I really uh, appreciate her for that personally as a colleague. And today we're going to be talking about the three pillars that can guide healing trauma in your relationship. So once again, that's three pillars that can guide healing trauma in your relationship. And she's going to be talking about these three pillars and we're going to have a conversation about it. She's also the owner of Embodied Breath. And you can check her out at her website at yourembodiedbreath.com. And I'm also going to be putting all the show notes and everything in there, okay? So you guys can take a look and decide if, if she is somebody that you'd like to work with. If you guys are a couple and you're thinking, yes, I really would like to work with her, then I definitely encourage you to do so. Because every coach and every mentor is different. You have to find the one that fits for you that's the most important. And of course, she's a part of our affiliate program that's coming out here soon, which we're really excited to have her on as well. Because uh, I'm all about, and so is she, all about collaborating, and we believe that we're greater together, even though both of us are in the same field, right? There's no competition here. It's all about helping couples thrive in their relationships, right? So um, again, with a coach and consultant based in mindfulness for couples worldwide, she's fantastic. And obviously, she's super cute. Um, And we're going to talk about all these three different pillars of how to guide healing trauma in a relationship. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation, Sarah. And maybe you could introduce a little bit about why you started to get passionate about this type of work um, in general, right? Maybe we could start there. Wonderful. Thanks for having me on. It's so good to be here and talking with you about it. Um, Yeah, what got me started, I think it's a combination of professional and personal observations. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of experience witnessing this, you know, as humans, we go through our traumas, we go through our life, it's packed full of trauma sometimes, and we have this inadequacy, this perceived feeling of inadequacy. And um, it can really get in the way of how we connect with other people. Hmm. I'm healing. I'm hearing some echo. Eva, are you? Uh, I'm not hearing it. However, it's not, it's not uncommon 
So okay. you have a little bit of echo here and there, but you know, um, if it, it's, it's not coming through on my side. Perfect. So that's a good thing. Okay, perfect. I just uh, didn't mean to interrupt. Another thing you can do is take your earphones out, your headphones out. Okay, let's try that. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, just really passionate about helping people to feel safe enough to build that connection with one another. Because so often we're just... um, afraid of what might happen if we're vulnerable enough connecting and it keeps us separate. Really unfortunate. Yeah. So this idea of being mindful of the narrative or the stories sort of that we're telling ourselves, maybe you can expand on that a little bit more, Sarah. Right. So in my work, the first thing that we do is become mindful of our own patterns and our own thought and develop a mindfulness practice for ourselves. And so a lot of the time when we don't feel safe, we're looking at what is the other person doing? There's a lot of blame in that. And when we're mindful of of ourselves and noticing what's arising in the relationship, we are gathering so much more information from a safer place. Like we got the reaction of, um, of the brain going into like a fight or flight, like I'm not safe here. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we start to do that and see our partner as a perceived threat, then we can actually take a step back and assess, well, is there really a threat? Um, am I safe here? Is the connection safe here? What do I need to do next? And I'll start by teaching the mindfulness to every single person I work with and, um, no prior experience necessary, right? Mindfulness and meditation are very different. Um, mindfulness is noticing what is. Mm -hmm. And so we're noticing our habits, noticing our thoughts, noticing our emotions and our patterns. Makes sense. So what I'm hearing you say is, is very um, acute perceived awareness, right? So I like to talk about that, like emotional triggers, right? Uh, what are the emotional triggers? What are the old wounds? What are the things that are coming up in our relationship? And how can we look at that and gain awareness about that? in a way that comes from a place of understanding and compassion for yourself or your partner, um, as opposed to judgment or criticism or lack, right? It's just more using your conscious mind to understand where are those emotional triggers come out, coming up and how can I then create a, an, a, an environment where I'm managing them differently as opposed to projecting them. Yes, very nice. And when we're talking about trauma or we have this understanding of trauma, um, you know, our brain is working differently when it is in a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you are very, very sensitive to criticism because of what your parents did or something like that, Mm -hmm. and your partner is criticizing, your brain could actually be sort of offline, as we say, in a trauma response. And, and therefore, the connection kind of be impossible until you come back out of that. And so that noticing that you're talking about noticing the emotional trigger, there's often like a physiological thing that is happening for people when they are triggered in that way. Mm -hmm. And so to have a little bit of um, education about the brain science of that, 
really, I have found allows people to um, forgive themselves and have compassion for themselves a little bit more. And like, oh, look at me reacting. Look at how my brain and body are responding to this. Um, and then, yeah, you can practice um, mindful noticing, mindful awareness, mindful breathing, whatever techniques um, they choose to employ to bring themselves back to a space where interaction and um, the next step is possible, right? Definitely. And, you know, I like the idea of noticing when you're in that trauma state, right? Because sometimes we're not even aware that we're in that trauma state, right? Right. Um, and we're having a reaction to it, but the better that you can get at recognizing that some trauma or something like that is coming up and you can say, listen to your partner, um, Hey, my trauma trigger is coming up or, um, I'm feeling flooded right now. Right. So there's lots of ways to communicate these types of things in a relationship as well. Uh, when they are coming up and learning those strategies and those techniques to, take accountability when they do come up and then in and then have your partner come in and support you in that as opposed to projecting and turning those triggers to her or him and saying something like you know you never support me or you know you're never there for me or why do you always do this right and just moving into those attacks right um, instead of using it in a way that you're talking about, which is to be mindful of what is showing up um, and then moving into a place of managing them rather than projecting them. Right. Beautifully said. Yeah. One of the things that I talk a lot about, just a huge premise of my work is that there is an opportunity in everything, right? And so if we are getting triggered in this way, Rather than go into the blame and the projection, um, there's an opportunity to, one, do it differently, and two, see this as an opportunity for your own growth. Right. right. Yes, that's it. Yes. An right. opportunity for your own growth. I love that because we don't often look at it as an opportunity for growth. We look at it as, why is this happening? I'm not good enough. You know, why did I have to go through that? And then they have that victim sort of comes in. Um, and kind of takes over and, and nobody really likes to be in the headspace of a victim because it feels very uncertain and scary yes. to be in the place of the victim. But it's like, I often think of the place of the victim as not knowing how to be mindful of just not knowing what to do when you're in that place, because it can make you feel really scared and if you don't have a mentor or a therapist or coach or friend that can somehow take you out of that, that place of victimization rather or complaint or blame and move you into a space of acknowledgement and management, it's just a whole different paradigm, really. Very different paradigm. Yes. And very possible. And, you know, you said non-judgment and compassion earlier, and I want to cycle back to that because that's definitely one of those main, main pillars in a mindful approach to being in a relationship is that you have to um, be able to see yourself in whatever place you are in, whether it's victim or, you know, another scenario. Mm -hmm. And, 
once you notice that you're in that, bring in that compassion and non-judgment. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about partnership is that the the opportunity for the partner is also to practice that compassion and non-judgment. And I think when you can, when, when we, when couples can move from that place of reaction, criticism, judgment, and into that place of compassion, love, non-judgment, I think everything changes for the yeah. couple. Right. It's literally the difference in my mind between a struggling or surviving situation to a thriving situation, you know, because you're bringing in a whole nother energy, a whole nother layer into your relationship that you had not been able to tap into before. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if you experienced this with your couple, Sarah, but I noticed that when couples come into my practice, again, going back to that space of you don't know what you don't know, it's just hard because, I mean, I don't know about your parents, but my parents didn't teach me how to communicate. They didn't teach me how to manage my own shit. They didn't teach me how to take accountability. They did. I mean, they taught me the exact opposite of what a thriving relationship looks like. And it's not that I love my parents, my, my, my dad, my mom, they're my best friends. They're wonderful people in my life and they've supported me, but it's just like, they didn't have teachers either. Um, you know, their parents weren't teachers and so forth. And you're really going back to generations of things that have been happening in the family system that now, you know, for all of you that are listening, you do have the opportunity to change that story. You have the opportunity to change that narrative. And how cool is that, right? As long as you have the resources and the skills to be able to do that, then your life changes. And now you're the first layer of multi-generational change in your relationship. And then now guess what? All of that stuff moves on to your children, your children's children and so forth. And it just keeps going in that direction, which is what makes me so passionate about this work. But for you, Sarah, what do you, do you pick that up as well? That, you know, it's just that we just don't have the knowledge to, to, to do this really. Yeah, I do. And, and there's this, um, you know, collective question of what do we do with our suffering? You know, and I think a lot of us like suffer in silence. I think the other thing about relationships yeah. is that we um, we come together so so often um, because the other person meets some need of ours that we may not even be conscious of. Right? Like, yes. Oh, they're kind of filling something up for us, and once that thing that dynamic shifts or changes. Um, I think that's why we have a lot of separation and trauma in relationships because we're not actually going into relationships for the right reasons so often. Yeah, right. We're going into relationships for reasons of approval, uh, for reasons of acknowledgement, for reasons of, you know, well, I don't feel good enough. Maybe this person will make me feel good enough, right? And so it, it is true. I think we get into relationships. I mean, I, I think we all get into relationships and start like that. I mean, if I'm really honest with yes. a lot, you know, <laughs> myself and other people, um, that we all get into relationships that, you know, can be very heavily reactive at the beginning, you know, because there's all these family of origins and societal triggers and things like that, that you're passionate about. And then if you move into, 
you know, the trauma aspect, let's say, you know, you're listening and you've experienced, you know, some really bad traumatic experiences in your family, or maybe, you know, some sexual violence, right? And then you're going into a relationship, you know, and had having not figured out how to manage that in a relationship, it can be very isolating and depressing. Uh, like you said, I think we suffer in silence there. I agree with that. And, um, you know, just moving out and, and asking for support and asking for someone else that maybe has been in your same shoes and can get you to that next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we all suffer from trauma. I don't, I don't think that there's anyone that really doesn't have some type of trauma in the family system. And it doesn't have to be a deep seated trauma, you know, like for me and my family system, you know, it, it was about not feeling heard, right? Um, not feeling like I had a voice in my family. And over time, that can be kind of traumatic, right? Um, so it doesn't have to be super violent for it to be trauma. And it's also a really important distinction for what is trauma, right? How do people define what trauma is? Because a lot of times couples come in and they're like, well, I had a perfect upbringing and I had a great childhood and everything was great. And that's all fine and dandy. But let's take a look even closer, right? Because what happens is, is that there is trauma there, whether your parents, your siblings, or someone else in your family system that experienced it and projected that onto the family system in a very particular way. And if you can get to the nuances of that, then that opens up your eyes even more, right? And it's not about, did my parents love me or did they not love me? Listen, all of our parents did the best they could. It's not about that. It's about getting to a next level of awareness and then the next level of consciousness and whatever that is for you. Yes. I love that you just said that. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's this next level of consciousness in relationships. And so I don't call myself a trauma coach for couples. It's, um, you know, consciousness work based in mindfulness. And that's the tool that we're using. All of the work is trauma informed and it ends up coming up and out through the work that I do with couples. Like, oh, right, I do this because this is what I project onto women because of my mother. I mean, that happens, right? But, you know, I think that we're, if I could just kind of go collectively for a minute, we are also experiencing um, collective trauma from the gender roles and like the, the standard gender roles and identity with that, that has been sort of perpetuated down through millennia. And so, you know, we have men who are supposed to be, you know, strong and provider and we have women who are, you know, and so we could go further into that, but I, I want to um, just mention it to say that so often in relationship, there are these, um, collective experiences with those high expectations that one picks up but doesn't even necessarily um, identify with and they're hurtful in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot of work with my couples in this archetypal understanding of masculinity mm-hmm. and femininity regardless of the gender actually. Yeah. And it's really innately healing to begin to understand that. Yes. Um, which is, it happens in the process of working with people. I work with people in, in three month increments. So it's a really deep dive and we're able to see, mm-hmm. you know, these are the patterns, these are the opportunities and 
Yeah. Once, once we develop that understanding of what arises in us and why we can apply that compassion, like we were saying to ourselves, to our partner, and then back down the line. Yes. So good. So healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea here is getting into that place where there is quite a bit of confusion about gender roles, right? And that in and of itself can be a, a mini trauma in the relationship. And sometimes it can be a really big trauma in, in the relationship. For example, if you're with someone that has really, really specific gender role stereotypes and, you know, the other one doesn't subscribe to any of them, well, that's a lot of fighting happening in a relationship because I don't want to subscribe to the old school way of things. Well, I want to subscribe to the old school way of things. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, it doesn't really matter the sex, right? It matters about our beliefs. And so a lot of the work that you are doing, it sounds like you're going into the belief system of the relationship and figuring out how to manage the archetypes of feminine and masculine and, and, with that in mind that, that men and women both embody the masculine and feminine uh, archetypes, right? right? It's just, what are we tapping into? Are we tapping into the masculine? And then are we being destructive with our femininity? Are we being destructive with our masculinity, right? Because there's a lot of times where women are talking about this idea of patriarchy and the idea that they want to resist against the man. But what's happening, I'm finding in a lot of my work, is that women are actually becoming bullies. Yes. Yeah, they're like bullying their partner. And then and then the partner, the man, feels emasculated, of course, right? Um, and then it kind of reifies the whole situation all over again because there's just, there's a lot of resistance, you know, with the Me Too movement and a lot of resistance with men in general. Like, you know, I think women are just like, you know, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. And so I think a lot of the work that you're doing as well as myself is just kind of creating a space for both the masculine and feminine to live in harmony, to have less resistance. And, and the resistance shows up in our sex life too. Right. I mean, I can tell you, and and it happens to everyone, Sarah, you know, I mean, I can tell you for sure in my own relationship, I did a lot of sexuality work in the past year and a half. Thank God. Um, But with my husband, you know, I think that I was resisting on some level um, and feeling pressure, feeling of service. Right. And then I shifted that whole mentality to no resistance and no pressure and no of service. It's like, a whole different reality, right? And so these types of things are so important that you're doing, Sarah, moving into this place of honoring the masculine and feminine rather than resisting the woman or resisting the man and moving into that space where we're really not working together as a team. We're just victims to each other, right? Well, I'm a victim to your manhood and I'm a victim to your womanhood. And then I just go into that space all over again, really. And Right. You know, you know, it's so subtle too. Like I didn't even know that that aspect was so ingrained in my sexuality. Like for example, when you, when, when people use uh, vernacular about the vagina or vernacular about the penis or vernacular about sexuality in general, I was realizing like, no, oh, this is interesting. I have an aversion there. Why is that there? And then you take a look societally, right? And say, why is that there? Or you take a look in terms of your family system and you say, why is that there? 
right? So this work that you're doing, Sarah, is so integral because without that, we're really just resisting our partners. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Big yes to everything you just said. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I do agree that the, like the bedroom, the sexuality is where, um, we're really going to greet (laughs) what it is that is left to work on. Right. Like, is that funny? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because we can be, I mean, as women, you and I, um, we can be in this strong position and I can handle anything and we're both business owners and we're, and then, you know, if we aren't working our stuff out, we're going to go into sexual relationship and it's all going to come out. It's like, that is where it comes out for sure. Yeah. And I wanted to cycle back to one thing that you were saying about the masculine feminine just quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you oh. know, I think that there's what I just kind of call, this is very oversimplified. There's like divine feminine, divine masculine. And then there's this like wounded feminine, wounded masculine. There you go. Right. And so I'm almost picturing it like in four quadrants. And at any point in time, regardless of your gender, you could be acting from any one of those four quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. You could be in this actualized feminine, masculine, archetypal energy and very healthy. You could be operating from a wounded place. And I think I do agree, generally speaking, that there's this incredible, incredible feminine rising movement across the world right now and we are wounded it's almost like we're acting in the wounded masculine like yeah. this power over right you know, this, it's what we were um not appreciating in the first place but we've taken this like opposition um energy toward it which is again a wounded energy because love and connection is is like the highest form of um advocacy or you know if we if we want anything that's how we should be going after it right exactly Um, we're in a pure place and so yeah I wish that for all of us and my work um definitely is about both rising of the masculine rising of the feminine into our most you know beautiful and actualized forms and potentials um because we are too in like a who's gonna win mentality right now in our collective it's dangerous i think very very dangerous and ostracizing and it's actually the same exact thing that we're complaining that the wounded masculine is doing right right so we're becoming what we don't want right as a collective you know and not everyone Uh, but as a collective, I do notice that there's a lot more resistance to the man. And I don't know if the man really knows how to deal with it. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. It's like one of those things, like, how do I deal with this with my wife? Right. Or how do I deal with this with my girlfriend? And why do I feel this resistance? Because I think men do feel it. And now after a year and a half, two years of work on myself, I've noticed that my husband did feel it. And he just didn't have the capacity to say, are you resisting me, Eva? You know, are you, are you okay? Like what's going on with your wounded feminine that's not allowing me in? 
right? Yeah. It's not like he had the ability to ask me those questions. Now we do because we talk about it often. And I guess what, what um, Sarah and I are tr- encouraging in this, in this podcast is for you guys to start asking those questions. That's right. Start That's right. asking yourself those questions. Start asking and listen, you know, Sarah's done many years of work on herself. I've done many years of work on mm-hmm. myself. And the thing is, is that there's always something more that we can work on. There's always something that we can step into and really get busy with it. Right. And, and it's not always comfortable. I mean, I remember when I started doing that, that work and I don't know about you, I'd love to hear your story, Sarah, but when I started doing that work, I noticed like, okay, you want me to do what? Have sex every day? Okay. Let me see how that works out. You want me to have sex every other day. Right. And so it was interesting how, when you put yourself into that place of, I want to connect with my husband or my wife every day, right? Whether it be a sexual way, whether it be you're snuggling and cuddling to me, it doesn't matter. But you know, having an orgasm and getting to that place of climax together is the highest level of connection really anyone can feel outside of your mind connection, right? So it's, it's important that you challenge yourself, right? It's funny, I did this podcast uh, with Jen and Ben Road. I don't know if I told you this, right? Did I tell you? Oh, I no. don't know the story, no. Yeah, so I did this podcast with Jen and Ben Road, and they do sexual explosive healing, right? And there's a lot of practitioners in Costa Rica. If you guys want some information on them, I'm happy to refer you guys. We're actually doing a couples retreat in August, August 13th to 17th, if you want to come and uh, just send a message. But Anyway, so they were on the podcast with me and they said to me, you know, yeah, we make love twice a day. And I immediately, my jaw dropped. This is a year and a half, two years ago. I, I, I was like, uh, okay, two, two, two twice a day. I'm like, how do you do that? And they have three kids, right? And so I, I walked out of that podcast thinking to myself, babe, my husband, Paul, right? I'm like, if Jen and Ben can do it, we can do it. We don't even have kids, right? And so he's like, I'm game, of course, you know. Uh, my husband's always game for anything sexually related, right? So when it comes to getting into that space of challenging yourself, the only thing you can do is step into it, right? Because we were making love probably every other week, right? And so when you're talking about trauma work, when you're talking about couples work, this conversation about sexuality comes up all the time. Um, and so, you know, if you don't put yourself into that boiling water type thing, that might be a little uncomfortable because the first couple of months of doing that with my husband and getting into that space of making love every day or every other day, right. We're mm-hmm. still not at two times a day. That's just, I, I haven't gotten to that place, but I do feel a call for it recently. You know, mm-hmm. I'm feeling so connected and so aligned with him that I'm feeling a call to it, but it didn't start that way. It started off like, you know, moving into this space of, all right, well, let's do this, right? And then I started to feel pressure along the way. And I'm like, hmm, what's the pressure about, Eva, right? And then I started to feel resistance every once in a while. I'm like, what's that about, right? And so you're able to kind of piecemeal the relationship that you have with sexuality just by having more sex, right? Just by putting yourself in there. It's like putting yourself into the trauma work, right? When you want to learn how to get to this place of awareness, you have to step into that dark side and get aware about it. But the only way that you can do it is by going towards it rather than resisting and say, no, that's not what it is. And then you just keep pushing it down and pushing it down. Right. And then before you know it, 
you're not, you're, you're actually doing what you didn't want to do in the first place. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. I I think everything you're talking about really implies um, a new level of consciousness, right? Because you can be in a partnership and married for a long time and having sex and still not be having like evolutionary sex or sex where you're really connecting your traumas might be on the table every single, every time you are having sex. And so, yeah, there, there is this consciousness on both parts on, on the part of both members of the, of the couple that um, it needs to be a safe enough connection for those um, to heal. And I absolutely do think that through that, you know, sacredness of union, that sexual healing is possible. Um, that has so much to do with my story where, um, my nervous system was so, so traumatized by previous Mm -hmm. circumstances in my life Mm -hmm. that to connect, on a deep, deep soul level, like what you're talking about and what the roadies are talking about. I mean, that's soul level union. Yes. And to get there, each member of the couple has to do their own trauma work and also do, you know, hold space for that complementary trauma work. And I want to just add one more like small reflection, sort of this mindful reflection of this for listeners. Um, you know, if both people are in agreement, you can go into the sexual experience slowly and just notice where, where there's resistance. Like you were saying, it's like an opening feeling or a closing feeling. And so where there is the trauma, you are probably experiencing a closing feeling, even if you have been having sex or making love with this person for a long time you could still be experiencing energetically, you know, the slight closure of energy in your own body that, that does not allow for the deeper connection. You know, that's kind of what we're going for is like always deeper connection because through this sexual union, through this soul union, that's the potential. Um, it's just ever and ever, you know, bigger, bigger and bigger connection, bigger and bigger, you know, safety and, um, oh my gosh, like soul potential, right? Soul potential. Soul potential. Love it. So that was really beautifully said, Sarah. Um, you know, the idea that we can continue to open up and I like how you said the, the, that really, um, resonated with me when you were talking about, the idea of the opening or the resistance feeling and what are you feeling and figuring out a way to embrace, breathe through that, right? And step into your resistance, step into your fear, step into your anxiety. And then when you do that, especially if you've created a relationship of safety, like Sarah just suggested, you can move to a soul partnership. You can move and it's actually really cool because it will benefit you in so many ways in business, in sexuality, um, money, right? Attracting money, attracting clients, um, living the relationship that you want to live. I mean, there's so many benefits to this level of consciousness that Sarah is talking about that we don't even realize is there for us to tap into. Yes, absolutely. 
And it's, that's the beauty of union, right? Because you can, you can do that evolution independently. And, you know, it requires um, that both people in a partnership are doing that independent work, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the potential of union is to take you deeper and deeper and open you more and more because Mm -hmm. if you can lean into that space of intimacy, even when, you know, you notice yourself restricting Mm -hmm. and you you take another step. I love how you said that, like just step into it, step into the fear and the other person can meet you Mm -hmm. in a space where that's, you know, safe and you can hold that. Mm -hmm. That's two people, you know, helping one another along this life path, along this Mm -hmm. consciousness evolution, right? Yes. That's the power of union. Yeah. Yeah. And you think sex is good now. Wait until you get to that space. I mean, there's just so many beautiful things about it. You know, and I realized that we talked about the trauma of relationships and that was how we started our conversation today. But isn't it interesting how we ended up talking about so many different facets of sexuality because there are so many different facets of 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 uh, parenting. How did our parents inform us? How does society inform us? How did society or your parents inform your sexuality or your relationship with money? Or like, there's just so many things to be traumatized about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't realize, and, and sometimes we don't even acknowledge it. Like I mentioned at the beginning, and I think you said so, Tara, Sue, too, as well. I don't even realize that it is trauma. You know, we don't right. even categorize that as that. It's just something that we live through. And it's over, but that's not true. It, it is something that we live through. And in my, in my opinion, and in, in my professional opinion is to look, take a look at that and say, how can I refine this? How can I learn from it? How can I step into a new identity with my partner? And, mm-hmm. and, and then notice the benefits of that in your relationship long term, no mm-hmm. matter what the trauma is. Right step into it, right? No matter what this trauma is, if it's a money trauma, step into it, get aware about it. If it's sexuality trauma, step into it, get aware of it. If it's childhood abuse, sexual abuse, any of those types of traumas, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For me, like I said, not being heard could be a trauma. Step into it, get aware of it. What is it and how is it informing your life? Yeah. And I would say the awareness is, is such a huge part. I mean, we're working on mindful awareness, um, in the work that I'm doing and there's healing to be done. There's like, you have to alchemize that trauma and, and like make it work for you. And so I don't mean to at all, like trivialize, um, the depth of the effect mm-hmm. that trauma of any sort can have on body, mind, spirit, you know, emotions, all of it. And it's deep, deep work. You know, my, my relationship with my own trauma has, I dug deep, deep into it about five years ago. And like you said, we're always growing because we know that we're never, we never like get there. And, and so much has healed such that, my very traumatized nervous system is now, you know, very relaxed. And so all that to say, I don't want to trivialize like poof, you can just change your trauma, but I think it takes years, it takes years, but the power of a relationship to honor that process. I mean, I think that if you're having tension in, 
in a relationship and it's got, you know, an older um, origin, it probably does have an older origin, then two people can recognize what's going on and support one another's healing and hold the space for one another, you know, to do the healing and utilize that union, you know, sexually to explore that healing together. I think you've got another just a level of relationship for sure. Uh, another level. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. And I love that you're holding space for couples around the world, Sarah. Your work is so important. If you. you guys are feeling called, if you're listening right now and you're feeling called to work with Sarah, I highly recommend it. She like she said, like she said, she works with her couples for three months, sometimes six months over a period of time. Um, where can they reach you, Sarah? My website is your embodied breath.com. I'm also all over Facebook at Sarah Shoemaker and at embodied breath. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear from people. Thank yes. you. Yes. And thank you so much for coming on the call today, Sarah, and giving us your divine, uh, you know, work in the world and really just moving into a space where other couples can feel supported um, in this work in this very deep work that we're talking yeah. about here. And Sarah is a perfect conduit for you guys to be yeah. able to access what you need to access in order to get to that next stage of thriving in your relationship. So I see a lot of collaboration in our future. Yes, I know I do. I feel really aligned with you and um, I love it. Yes. So good. Um, for those of you guys that are listening and you would like to check out more of our podcast, you can go to tabutalktime.com. We're also on iTunes and Google Play if you want to play us in the car or if you want to hang out with us while we're, you're doing cardio at the gym. There's all different ways that you can access it. And of course, this is going to be up on YouTube so you can consume it through a video if it's better for you guys to you know, watch something and get the visual explanation along with the audio. There's so many different ways that you can do this. But we're on iTunes and Google Play. Don't forget to share us with your friends. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining the Taboo Talk Time Movement. Go ahead and like and subscribe to our fun, free, and informative podcast. And of course, don't forget to share us with your friends. Visit TabooTalkTime.com to learn more about Dr. Eva's therapeutic services, private intensives, as well as her online couples courses and live couples retreats. As always, we appreciate your listenership and can't wait to share all of our new up-and-coming Taboo Talk Time podcast with you. See you next time.